Welcome to Matthew Barber's Thames Valley Talks. Hi, I'm Dr. Rachel Ward and I am thrilled to be having a conversation uh, today with Matthew Barber, who is the Deputy Commissioner for uh, Police and Crime for Thames Valley. And I'm also joined by um, Jason Q, he's the Chief Inspector for Thames Valley Violence Reduction. A um, bit of background to this session. Um, a couple of years ago, I, I did some training looking at problems of drugs and exploitation in young people. Um, and I learned about many problems. One of the things that I learned about that I, I was unaware of, I'm ashamed to say before, is, is county lines and the involvement and the issues that we have in our young people with drugs and exploitation. Um, so I know that um, in Thames Valley, there is a lot of a lot of work going on, a lot of projects to try and tackle this very, very complex issue. So um, today we're going to talk about some of these issues and how how we can have increased awareness as doctors and as parents and people who have contact with young people and how we can get help if we've got concerns about some of this. So. Matt, t t tell me, can can we uh, ask you to start with your kind of view on this and involvement with with Thames Valley Police? Yes, yeah, so I think the um, the issue of county lines specifically, but but obviously there's a much wider issue around uh, abuse of drugs and, and particularly violence, and that's what's uh, behind the creation of the Thames Valley Violence Reduction Unit. The Office of the Police and Crime Commissioner has been awarded several million pounds from the Home Office to fund this project, and uh, and we've, we're pulling together. Um, agencies uh, from across the region. To, so it's it's police led, uh, but it's uh, it's not just driven by uh, by policing. I think that's really important because the the approach to all of these issues, whether it be specifically county lines or drug abuse uh, or indeed serious violence, is a is a whole a whole system approach. Uh, mm -hmm. I think that's really key. So working really closely with uh, particularly with councils and schools. Um, uh, often, you know, the the perpetrators and the victims will will be of school age or only recently having left school. I think it's really important that we don't lose sight of that. Mm. But but you know, Rachel, in, in your profession, working with the health sector, mm -hmm. uh, everyone from the acute hospitals uh, who will see the the serious injuries that will happen to people, uh, and you know, when we when we talk about the murder rate in this country, uh, you know, the difference between um, a, a serious assault and a murder can either be a matter of inches of where someone stabbed mm -hmm. or or simply the fantastic um care that people get in the nhs uh from uh from those a and e teams who who will stitch people back together and the paramedics who are there on on scene and that can make all the difference so uh, mm -hmm. from that sharp acute end to gps who may simply um meet people at the lowest ebb of their life about something completely unrelated and maybe able to spot the signs of whether it's substance abuse whether it's something else that's going on at home those signs um that that you know all too well that you might be the first person in authority to see uh, and so the the violence reduction unit is about bringing together all of those agencies so we have a whole system approach um and, and we don't just deal with the sticking plaster we absolutely need to respond you know, when the when the public report a crime or when an incident's happening, the police need to be there and they will be. Uh, but actually, just as important is this generational shift um, to 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 really make a difference and put the systems in place uh, to deal with it. 
Yeah, I, I think that's that's a that's a great concept, Matt. As you say, it's so complex, and it's not just down to the police. It's down to all of us. It's down to us as parents. It's down to us people working as doctors. It's it's down to just general society for looking out for these problems. Um, can I can I move on to you, Jason? And can I ask you? Because as I said, I think county lines and it is something that actually a lot of people won't be familiar with. And I think we were talking before um, is that when we often think about protecting our children from drugs, we traditionally we have thought it's about protecting our children from taking drugs and county lines is a huge thing that has has become a, a big issue over I'd say you know the, the last decade or so but I think it's still something people don't really understand what it is could you give us a bit of a, a an explanation as to what it is Jason yeah sure thank you Rachel um I think I think that there's a couple of issues initially that uh, county lines is nothing new. Um, although people are beginning to hear about it now, which is brilliant, um, county lines have been, have been around for a long, long time. Um, so county lines is labelled for the supply, usually, of crack and heroin um, in our uh, more rural um, and, 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 and countryside or county towns, as, as it men mentioned. So uh, a county line uh, a runner, if you like, will be will, will use the phrase going county or country, um, and usually from the big urban centres like uh, London, Birmingham, who probably affect us in Thames Valley the most. Um, so the reason it's grown in publicity is because of a number of things that Matt mentioned beginning right at the beginning about the rising levels of serious violence, and this is obviously the, the reason why the Violence Reduction Unit exists now. Um, but the, the size of the drug market is is clearly requiring the number of people to like supply that market. Yeah. And that's why we have um, you know, rising numbers of county lines, uh, stories initi initiatives and, um, and, and, and operations, if you like, to tackle it within within the Thames Valley region. So where I'm trying to lead to is the fact that this is a growing problem um, and it's basically um, the the exploitative um, supply of drugs using children um, to, to basically supply a huge demand in, in, in crack and heroin. So, I mean, there, there are many forms of exploitation, but County Lines is one of those um, uh, uh, ingredients for exploitation through, uh, through, through drug supply. Um, I'm going to a bit more detail about how to recognise the signs um, and, you know, we we've 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 heard of cases where um children as young as eight have been um enslaved if you like into a county line and this is where the comp the, the investigation of county line um uh, issues is really complex because it it merges the the, the role of a, of a victim and a suspect and the, the investigation has to take an impartial evidence-based view about how or what role has that county line runner, that victim or a suspect, has taken in in that supply? More often than not, um, that's that 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 um, that victim opportunity, that legal loophole, if you like, is exploited by the exploiters because they they'll they'll push more children into supplying uh, uh, drugs, county lines, um, because they know that we will take a victim-led approach to that. So they're very complex investigations. Um, I've I've got some uh, interesting case studies which will give some more context around uh, what county lines are and what they look like and and it will help people then 
um, become more aware of the challenges, but also more aware of those signs, because mm. um, it can affect um, it can affect any child from any any way of life. Uh, yeah, I think that's really it's really useful to think about a case study because certainly one of the things that I've learned with this is it's not necessarily the children that you would expect. So often we think about kids who are maybe, you know, not attending school, who have been in trouble with the police, that kind of thing previously. But actually, the interesting thing with county lines is that children are chosen who do not have a history with the police because it's actually then more difficult to trace them. Is that correct? That's your experience? Yeah, yeah definitely. It's, it's vulnerability. The exploiters will recognise those vulnerable signs. So um, I'm not stereotyping here in the slightest, but yeah. they will seek opportunity to basically debt bond or create a bond with that young child. So a, a young person from a single parent family who has low income, um, who uh, yearns for the latest Nike trainers, you know, they could appear suddenly as a gift or the latest pair of jeans, you know, that no one else has got, but suddenly here's, here's a valuable gift. And mm. then and then once they're um, hooked into the exploiter's web, if you like, of exploiter mm. toolkit of exploitation tactics, and there are vastly many, money could be one, I'm going to entrust you with some keeping this money and then the exploiters will then fake a robbery. So that child is then in debt to mm. that to that organised crime group. And then it becomes very manipulative and very harmful. So then the child suddenly has has this unexplained wealth or opportunity or status um, and uh, is a member of a gang or a, a group of people and is not quite suspecting this growing role within that criminality and then um, so they're being groomed and at that stage they're a victim aren't they they're, they're being exploited they're being harmed in a very coercive way and they're being sucked into a, a web of manipulation where it's it's going down one road and, and, and the job that the VRU is is, is taking um, as a priority is to inform every sequential interception opportunity like you mentioned there that's obviously a bit wordy but the GPs mm. you know what if a child was brought in um, with some unexplained injuries what if a child was was brought in with some sudden anxiety you know what and, and those those early signs need to be unpicked and trauma informed yeah, yeah. I'll just go through sorry yeah, no, that's that's good. Yeah, if yeah, if that, I think that's really really good information. If yeah, if we could have a think about a case study, that I think that would be really helpful. Yeah, so I was um, uh, in in custody not so long ago when uh, a um, a young woman. Obviously, I'll, I'll be um, uh, careful around the details. I wouldn't want to oh. identify her, um, but she was uh, arrested. Um, in, in Thames Valley region, in, in, a, in what's called a trap house. So that's um, a cuckooed address. Um, I'll explain cuckooing in a minute, because all these terms are new. Um, and uh, so she was serving drugs for an organised crime group from London in that premises. Uh, the premises were raided by the police during a welfare visit for the vulnerable occupant who was also manipulated to allow that supply to take to take place. So now you have a double-edged investigation. You've got a vulnerable occupant, you know, who has uh, their own uh, um, uh, uh, vulnerabilities that need to be safeguarded, and then you have the girl herself. Now, is she a, is she a criminal or is she a victim? We don't know at that stage. So the investigation begins. Um, the the history of that girl was that she 
was released under investigation for a similar offence in another town not too far away um, uh, uh, a year earlier and that, that case was still ongoing and you can see the length of these investigations add more and more risk and complexity um, so but because the, the girl had been through the criminal justice system already um, she she had a degree of credibility among the organised crime group so which meant that her attitude towards policing was a lot more robust because she's been through it and she got yeah. released so um, she went no comment in interview and was ended up charged and remanded she was 17 so um, on review and these are the valuable lessons that come out of this on review um, uh, I um, had to ensure her, her safeguarding because the police have taken the drugs they've mm -hmm. taken the money and she could be released back into the organised crime group empty-handed and there, therefore we could be the police unintentionally creating more risk to her yeah. by sending her back home yeah minus drugs minus money and and in debt yeah. so we've caused that obviously unintentionally that's our job to do you know to do yeah. that but we've also got a job to to safeguard her but yeah. her story was that she was um 10 or 11 and um went to a care home and she uh, was uh, uh, attracted into or attracted by a organised crime group uh, in London who began that series of events, buying her shoes, clothes, status as their top girl. Um, the boyfriend was a leader amongst the, the crime group um, and she was then entrusted to carry weapons, um, not to deliver them anywhere, but just to carry and safeguard weapons for the group. And then she was entrusted to run drugs from one place to another. And therefore, then she was entrusted by the group because her credibility was growing to uh, to serve drugs from an address where she was originally arrested from. She yeah. came back from that job empty handed um, and uh, was then uh, passed to another crime group. So she was ostracised by that group, passed to another. And exactly the same process went, met a new boyfriend. Um, and, and the story unfolded but it yeah. was only until I gave her a pen, and, a, a pen and paper to write her story to write down for the defence for her own defence really yeah. to unpick her life and I said so um, I mean we can go into much more detail but that Matthew held up a, a kinder egg right at the beginning um, and and I said um, so how you know how were you shown to hide drugs you know where did that take place i'm not going to go into graphic detail mm -hmm. here clearly, but you can you can you know use yeah. your imagination where the hiding places yeah in a young body are um and i said well, what age were you when you were first shown to hide drugs inside your body she was 11. wow and i said well, what what situation was that was that around a group of men did they have their phones out yeah mm -hmm. and i said do you ever consider that you might have been a victim of a serious sexual assault at that point actually weren't just being shown to hide a commodity yeah. you're actually you're actually being sexually assaulted yeah. and filmed and passed around by a group she's a victim yeah. absolute victim and it's yeah. that that's the that's the complexity so yeah. on the face when i met her in custody she was a suspect because she's been charged and remanded actually when you unpick it through a trauma-informed investigation we need to treat her as a victim because those allegations have never ever been investigated. Absolutely, that, absolutely. So you can see, you see the, the 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 series of opportunities to intervene by multiple agencies. 
uh, yeah. are right the way through that six-year life of hers. Yeah, yeah. And I think I think some people will be quite shocked by the story that you've just told, um, and understandably so. And thankfully, most of us do not come across those kind of situations readily. Um, but you know, you know, and I know that actually this kind of thing is happening a lot. Um, that you know, there's so many horrendous stories out there with young people, and it, it can be quite unpleasant to hear these stories. But I think, in some ways, it's a way of really making people aware of the severity of these situations and the really, really dark side to to drug trafficking and and, and drug use that that sadly exists. Um, I, I think, as you were saying, Richard, from a parent's perspective, I think yeah. most parents, their, their number one concern about drugs will be their son or daughter taking drugs. And yes. they should rightly be concerned about that because it's clearly yeah. not a good thing um, yeah. and it's illegal. But I think the, there is that much greater risk out there. That you're right, it doesn't affect everyone. Yeah. But I think a lot of parents simply won't won't even be aware of it. And I, yeah. we don't seek to to terrify people. Yeah. and to the risk to their children but I think all parents should understand what those risks are and, yeah. and there is a growing risk from exploitation through drugs mm. uh, rather than simply the the harm that the substance um, itself can cause and I think that's a that's a real challenge to to get that message across um, uh, and, and one that's really important for, for people to understand. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and if it's OK now, what I'd like to do is give people some pointers as to some of the things that um, you may spot and, and some some kind of telltale signs. So I'll kind of give a, a few um bits of things from my experience if that's okay to start with and we see if we can all add something to that so what often happens in the situation to start with so you've already mentioned Jason that you may see that pe young people suddenly have expensive items that you know that they can't um, afford to pay for and you're not really sure where they've come from so that's certainly a, an early warning sign then one thing that a lot of young people have is they end up with multiple mobile phones and it may be mobile phones that are changing frequently. And this is the way this is what County Lines is 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 based on that, that is the phone lines. So people are uh, they're getting calls. The children are getting calls from the drug dealers as to where they need to deliver drugs. And they're getting calls from people who want to buy the drugs. And they have multiple phones which are um, disposed of frequently so they can't be tracked down. The next thing is that you may notice, um, you know, problems with attendance at school and also problems with the young person not being around, not knowing where they are. And this is when things start to progress um, and they may be, you know, going on long trade journeys to pick up drugs or take money through the dealers from city to city. And actually, it can, it, it can get to the point where young people are missing overnight and, and they may be reported missing for the first time. And that's when, you know, this is a really a really serious problem. Um, Jason, Matt, any any other big warning signs that you would say are really crucial to people to look out for? I can I can add a couple. Um, you. You hit the nail on the head there about, um, you know, the phones and that, that's clearly, you know, you're right. The county line is 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 a commodity based on a phone line. Um, it's a customer base. Um, so, the, you know, to be guarded with that um, is a huge responsibility. So um, I would be adding uh, contextually, um, 
you know the mood changes you know what's happening happening at school you know um kids do spend an awful lot of time in their schools they may be asked to recruit other school friends too so there's that different so the signs to look out for are new and emerging friend groups um yeah. they're the keys and they they that can be similar for male and female um uh, uh, kids i think um, the, the the big one though is the responsibility weighs an absolute burden so that different mood you know you know your child um or if you're a um a, a care home manager or someone in uh, local authority who has frequent contact with a a child because um not every child does have a have a parent or guardian um but if you're a care worker it's that it's that real knowledge about what you know why why is, why why am i faced with this sudden outburst of anxiety or mood and i think that's a key to getting underneath what what those issues are are, are fueling so there's a couple more for you but um that's Matt. great and i i think there's there's an un, a need to understand from the child's perspective about the incredibly difficult situation they found themselves in it's it's really easy for us to sit here and say well well my son or daughter would tell me if there was a problem or talk to a teacher, talk to a responsible adult, you know, the, the help's there. That's very easy to say um, mm. from the you know, comfort behind a, a, a screen, uh, having a nice conversation of an evening. But if you're that 14 year old girl who's being blackmailed because of some sexually explicit photographs mm. that she was uh, that she was forced into, into sharing, um, try telling that to your father or your mother. Um, mm. and that, you know, that's not an easy thing to do. Uh, mm. some, some children will be threatened uh, about what will happen to their family, their siblings, their parents. Um, and I think you know, we have to understand what an incredibly difficult place they find themselves in. I think the one of the one of the key things we need to achieve through the violence reduction unit is having that network of professionals who are able to offer support exactly the purpose of this conversation. And I think people should be reassured by what Jason said today, um, that the police do understand the nuances of this. And um, and actually, even if it's your own child, certainly if it's someone else that you know talk to the police um, because the, they are in a position to investigate and they do understand that the chances are this child is a victim of crime uh, and not a perpetrator and I think uh, you know it's a big challenge to get the the young person to come forward with information it's also a big step for any parent uh, or anybody close to a child to to go to the police because they don't want their child to get in trouble and we, we need to have a really grown-up conversation with parents and say it's what's in your child's best interest and that help that help is out there but it's it doesn't always it's not easy to take that first step no, that's a powerful point that's an exceptionally powerful point that matt made there um you know we the police will always help you we will always help you uh, don't be afraid to seek that help because we have some amazing independent uh, access to help so you know missing people will will help um individuals who call them for that uh, rescue and response so if a child does find themselves in too deep there are organizations that they can quickly google that will just help i need help and some search engines are designed to reach the top of that list to help them so yeah do reach out that's great and and i'd say from a from a gp perspective so it's it, 
it's slightly different. It, it kind of ends up with the same result, which is the important thing. But if people come to see us, it may not be that it's as clear cut. It may be that, you know, a parent just knows that something's not quite right. As you said, there's a difference in mood. There, there's, a, there's issues with school attendance, different groups of friends, uh, uh, you know, things that are appearing, expensive items, and they're not quite sure what's going on. From a GP's perspective, it's first of all, it's important to have an awareness. And, and as, as a non-medic, it's, it's just important that you know that you can talk to your GP about these things. You may think, oh, it's not a, not a medical problem. That's, that's not the case. If you have concerns like this, that your child may be being exploited or involved, we are a very safe place to have a discussion. Um, we, we would then, you know, make appropriate referrals for further um for things to be looked at further and further assessment but there's a couple of options there that ultimately most importantly end up in the same place but it's about helping that child yeah and and that that net that safeguarding net widens too to include schools and there's, there's there are many outlets for for that you know contextual safeguarding so um there are different wherever that child has a footprint um, there will be a, an organisation or a statutory or non-statutory partner who can who can do that help. But you're absolutely spot on to you know, seek advice from wherever you can. But your GPs and the police are will always be there. And what would the best contact be for people if they wanted to approach the police directly? Would it be uh, is there a specific helpline you'd recommend, or just phoning your local station? What what would you advise? Um, so there are a couple of outlets actually. So Childline uh, and also um, Fearless.org, uh, which is run by Crime Stoppers. Um, they're they're both confidential. Uh, Childline is also confidential, but it offers immediate advice. Um, they're they're absolutely crucial. Um, Bernardo's have, have also got um, a um, a helpline, um, but there are many organisations all connected to offer that immediate advice. But clearly, the police will always respond. Um, as soon as you ring us on 101 or even in an emergency, 999, don't be afraid. If, you, if you're if you in too deep and it's an urgent matter, ring 999. We will come. Oh. You know, we will always come. And that's and that's absolutely crucial. You know, we will always help. And, we'll, and we're embedding, as Matt said right at the beginning, the Violence Reduction Unit are developing that trauma-informed approach. So we will look underneath what you're telling us to find you know, to find the true causes of what's going on and, and take the appropriate action. But with, you know, with you at heart, you know, with you um, in mind to safeguard. Yeah, that's great. There's a, there's a project that I wanted to mention that I thought was really important, and it's um, from the Children's Society. They have launched something called the Look Closer campaign. And this is basically just encouraging people generally, if you're out and about, if you're on public transport, if you're, you know, if you spot a young person and you think there's something not right here or you see an interaction between a young person or a child and somebody who looks like they're treating them inappropriately your gut instinct is very powerful um and we mustn't inter underestimate that and if you do see something that you think is not right please always report it and since this campaign has been launched they have had thousands of people contact them with concerns about young adults and children and and it's led to a lot of people being helped yeah 
I, I, I think I've, I came across a, a really good example of that. Um, actually, Milton Keynes at uh, one of the shopping centres, mm. where a security card had, had detained um, a young person, and they just didn't feel quite right. The, the adult who came to collect them, mm. they, they just felt this feels much more like a, a handler, someone who's controlling this person, than a than a parent. Uh, yeah. And they did absolutely the right thing. You know, they they could you know, come to the end of a shift. They could have quite happily you know, done done the paperwork and, and and off they go. But they yeah. didn't. They called the police. Um, they got that extra support in. And actually, at, at at the point of calling the police, the person who claimed to be the responsible adult um, soon soon disappeared. So uh, it shows that that they were quite right in that gut instinct. And it, it can be very difficult for people uh, these days. You know, there's a uh, a fear of embarrassment about getting it wrong and the consequences if you do. Uh, I would always say you know, be- better um, a, a bit of embarrassment if you if you ever do get it wrong, having on your conscience um, that you could have done something to help someone um, and you miss that opportunity. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, uh, just to mention as well, the Children's Society, they've got a lot of really good information on their website. If, if, you, if you want to know more about this or if you have some queries, they've got some really good information. Um, just so just rounding up can I ask you both to kind of give me your key message that you think people um you know generally people in society or or parents what the key key thing is that people should take away from this Matt I I think um it's a better understanding of what county lines is uh you know it is a is a pretty nasty evil business but it is a business and uh, I think if we just dismiss it as something that uh, often people think doesn't happen where they live uh, and I think you'd struggle to find anywhere where there isn't some uh, mm-hmm. impact uh, of it. Uh, but also, um, we, you know, some some things are so bad we just don't like to talk about them. Yeah. The fact is, county lines is a business model. As Jason said, it's not a particularly new one. It's yeah. just evolved uh, to use different technology and uh, and to to grow a bit. But um, you know, we we spent hours talking about how successful Amazon are. The drug dealers are just becoming the Amazon uh, of the of the criminal world. So we need to understand it. Policing yeah. needs to understand it in order to be able to combat it, um, yeah. not not to praise them for doing so. So we need to understand from a professional point of view, um, from the police, from from health, from local authorities, how the business works. I think that's really important. Uh, yeah. But then also for us as the general public to understand. Uh, as you've said, the signs that you're looking for, but but just how how entrenched it can become, that it's not just a case of someone falling in with the wrong crowd and making the wrong choices. That may be how it starts, uh, mm-hmm. but actually understanding the level of exploitation uh, and how, how deep, uh, and as you said, Jason, how enslaved people can become to these gangs. Uh, and that's why we need to treat them as victims. And it's also why we all need to be incredibly vigilant. Yeah, uh, that's, yeah, absolutely, Matt. Uh, and Jason, what would your key key message be? I think leading on from your your really brilliant point about the children's society and look closer. I think um, that that's reminding uh, members of all, all across society. This is all of our issue. This is all of our responsibility to tackle. Um, this isn't just the role of the police, the doctors, the, the you know the, the teachers, the the people that have the most frequent contact with our young people. It's everyone. You know, it's absolutely everyone. It's a postman on his round. You know, it's all all of those roles. I think look closer, look beneath. If something doesn't feel right, you know, if that child is is in uniform, standing in an area where there's no school of that type anywhere, you know, be curious, be curious and find out, or ask, or report it and and seek help. But I think the biggest point to take away is is a plea to create that safe space for your child or a child within your family or your circle to talk Mm. 
that safe space is absolutely crucial because some of their behaviour would warrant, um, uh, you know, chastisement, you know, kind of a, t a telling off, you know, that kind of, you know, parental intervention, if that makes sense, in the, in the more traditional sense. You, you know, sometimes we need to take a step back actually to look underneath what that what's going on. And I think um, it's that safe space that a child needs to you know to disclose what's going on. Yeah. Um, that's my real key point. Great. Well, look, this is a really difficult topic, isn't it? And you know, it's something that I you know we've said before. I don't think it's the easiest thing to listen to. But um, I think we owe it to our children, we owe it to our young people as adults in society to understand this and to be aware of it and, and to call it out and to look out for it. So thank you so much, both of you, for discussing this, this, this really, really important topic, something I feel very passionately about. I think it's been a really worthwhile conversation. So thank you very much. Thank you. To get all the editions of my podcast, find out more information about any of the issues discussed, visit my website, matthewbarber.co.uk slash Thames Valley Talks.